breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why, what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing, that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never had before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Oh, yeah, pizza to politics. Yes. I don't think we're talking about pizza today, but you get what I mean. If you listen to that great open put together by my producer and sports, big guy sports guy here at WTMJ, Brandon Snide, free ride with Brandon Snide. Maybe that's a possible uh, promo for you. Free ride with Brandon Snide. How about that? All right. Big question right out of the gates. Are we losing our minds in this country? For the slow listeners, are we losing our minds in this country? I just, I'm just kidding. Why do I ask that? Steve, why do you ask that on this Thursday, this wonderful Thursday? Storm here has passed. Hopefully it's nice where you are. I'm sure it's great in Florida and Texas. For some reason, we have a lot of listeners in Texas. I never quite understood that, but there's a lot of Wisconsinites who live in Texas. That might be it. Same thing with Florida. Let me walk you through a couple things here. I think I got like five examples, and you're welcome to join us. As always, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Love your feedback, love your comments, love your questions. All right, so why do I say, why do I ask, are we losing our minds? Easy one. Snow. Storms. Have you seen this? This vitriol and hatred towards weather forecasters? Because my neighborhood didn't get whatever they forecasted, although the neighborhood, like a community away, got exactly that. Do you understand it's, it's weather, it changes Ge- geography matters, lake matters here in Wisconsin, Lake Michigan. So your first take, not smart take, on a storm that maybe passed you by or gave you less snow than they forecasted is to go after a weather forecaster. I'm starting to see a lot of this on Facebook especially. One of the reasons I'm starting to hate Facebook. It can be vastly different between Oak Creek and Grafton, or Sheboygan, or Port Washington, or Racine, or Kenosha. Vastly different. We saw that yesterday. So getting mad at weather people, or the worst example, one of the uh, local folks, I think it was Sam Cuffle pointed this out, yelling at them because we provide storm co- coverage during the summer when we could have a serious storm, and it interrupted your program. Nothing on TV, and I'll repeat that, nothing on TV is that important that you can't step away for a few minutes. Nothing. I don't care if it's your regular program. Who cares? Everything is rerun. Or it ends up on a streaming service. Please. That's number one. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? You might be playing that a few times. Politics. Just had an election in Wisconsin on Tuesday. So we've gone from four very different candidates, narrowed it down to two, Judge Janet Protosiewicz, Justice Dan Kelly, 
And now the talking points are, this is from my Republican friends. I get it. I understand. It's important. I'm not saying it isn't. It's the end of the world if the other candidate gets elected if it's not Dan Kelly. Seriously? How long have you been alive? We've had Democratic governors, Republican governors, conservative majorities, liberal majorities. I could go on and on. We seem to have survived that. It doesn't mean you have to like it. But enough with the end of the world scenarios. You're losing your mind over something that you actually have control over. Get out and vote. Get your friends, family, and neighbors out to vote. I actually heard someone yesterday say, and again, I'm not, I'm not advocating for one candidate or the other. You know what I say. You decide. You make the decision. I'll have both of them on the show next week. That if, for example, Judge Janet Protosiewicz gets, not, gets voted in, end of law and order in Wisconsin. Are you nuts? What, are all the sheriffs, police chiefs just going to throw their badges in, turn in their resignations? Of course not. You work with what you have. Which takes us to a grand jury, Fulton County, Georgia, an investigation. This young woman, whose name is Emily Coors, doesn't really matter, was the forewoman on this special purpose grand jury in Georgia, Fulton County, dealing with the shenanigans, the real shenanigans, of a president who couldn't accept defeat. Let's be honest. All, all the sane, reasonable, rational people in this country already had gotten to that conclusion. Some haven't, but whatever. Listen to this forewoman of this grand jury. I Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. Mm. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I can't. Well, I I might be able to, according to instructions, but I don't want to. Why do you want to speak out publicly? Because this was a really cool experience. Senator Lindsey Graham, what was his demeanor like? when Fantastic. He seemed like, I really liked him. I really liked talking to him. Why was that person offered immunity? Uh, Sorry, I'm making sure that I don't break any of my rules. How many people was this a long list? It's not a short list. So we're talking about more than a dozen people? I would say that. Yes. It's not a short list. Not a short list. (laughs) More. Did the grand jury recommend an indictment of former President Trump? I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. Would you characterize it as 20-ish people? I can't say I counted. (laughs) All right, I've heard enough. You can take it it down, Brandon. Look, here's my advice. Shut the hell up. What are you doing? I, I understand you could be excited about meeting these people, but that's not your purpose there. This is a classic example of reality TV infecting everything in our society, including serious matters. Emily Coors, shut the hell up. You've lost your mind. It's not about you. After the break, we're going to play some Sean Hannity. Remember I told you about the Margie Taylor Green thing the other day? 
leaving red state, blue state. Now we have a major commentator on politics, supposedly. Although anyone who read the transcripts know he lies. That's not in dispute, so don't argue with me. It's not in dispute. He said one thing in a transcript in a legal proceeding, said the opposite on TV. That's lying. Unless you call yourself an entertainer, that's lying. We'll take a break. The question still stands. Are we losing our minds in this country? The inability to reason, to understand each other, to have logic and common sense play a role in our lives. We are losing our minds. we got to bring that back. We'll start after this. I'll take Mike from Illinois. I want to get to this Sean Hannity thing because he's now defending Madge Green's idea to have a two separate countries in the United States. Like, seriously, accepting it. Mike joins us from Illinois. Welcome to the show. First up, as always, Mike from Illinois. Good morning, brother. How are you? I am fine on this Thursday. The weather's quieted down so we can kind of get back to normal, hopefully. But we are losing our minds in this country. Agree or disagree? Well, I think that it's, first of all, as you say often, we are a nation of complainers. Yes. That is first. And with social media, we're able to complain instantaneously without even having to think about it. So... (laughs) There's a lot of hot takes and a lot of, not a lot of smart, smart takes, as you would say. Yes. But with regards to the weather, I think a lot of the time they're right on, spot on. Um, I really don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm in northern Illinois, mm-hmm. and they had said, hey, and I'm in Cook County. They had said the uh, northern counties, are, it's going to be worse, and it's going to be worse in Wisconsin, and that's exactly what happened. So I, I'm sorry. I just, I think that, uh, like you said, there's a lot of hot takes, not a lot of smart takes. Beautiful. Mike starts it off brilliantly because he, one, he listens better, and he's smarter. He understands the reality. The weather folks nailed this thing. I don't care if your neighborhood got two inches less than they said. Could you have done better? Could you have known what the weather's going to be? These are professional people who have very difficult jobs with an inexact precipitation environment, so they don't know what's going to happen. Every block of every mile of every county in the state of Wisconsin. Impossible. All right, so I I mentioned this. This is another one of those examples of why we're losing our minds. Remember the other day, Madge Green, U.S. House of Representatives from Georgia. One of our listeners, Joe from Atlanta, actually has her as his congressperson. That must be a nightmare. Well, was it Sean? It was Sean Hannity, right? It wasn't Tucker Carlson. It was Sean Hannity went on and defended what Madge Green had to say. We got that. We got that audio. All right, let's play it. Explaining why she thinks this is a good idea. Green is saying that a national divorce would empower individual states to form a smaller government, reduce the federal debt, set their own environmental standards, and the congresswoman has another idea as well banning people who move from blue states to red states from voting for five years so they don't bring their bad politics with them. I actually favor that idea. That is a commentator essentially putting the stamp of approval on taxation without representation. So somebody moves to a state, pays taxes, and they can't vote because Madge Green has an idea. How is that taken seriously as a serious comment? Throw the ratings away. That's stupidity on a grand level. We fought a civil war. 1860s. We're not doing it again. Especially over stupid ideas. This country, 
I always hesitate to make it about this is the most important, but we have a decision to make. Are we going to listen to the reasonable, rational people in this country or the extremists on both sides? We know the extremists get all the attention. I talk about them because I have to point out this stuff. What are we doing here? So whether it's politics, snow forecasting, crazy ideas from politicians, elected politicians, which, as I'll I'd say at some point today, again, used to be best and brightest, dumb and dumber now. Dumb and dumber. Who can outdumb the other elected official? One more. We are now going to be barraged. New York Times had a story this morning, or last night, yesterday, about revisiting mass. And I don't have the headline in front of me, but basically it's saying much of what we did with mass, we didn't need to do. The efficacy of the mass really didn't help, little if, if at all. So that's going to be the grand conversation point for talking heads all over this country. Oh, I told you. So you're telling me, smart radio talking heads, that when all those people were dying in the nursing home in Western United States, the early days of the pandemic, you were sure, positive, 100%, that masks were not the way to go? Based on what exactly? A feeling? Of course hindsight gives you clear vision on on the realities. And as I always say, science evolves. It changes. We update. We learn. But instead, some people, not all, some people want to make this a political fight now. Look what they did. Look what these governors did. Look what these health professionals blowing up. A large number of men and women who only job is to look out for the health and safety of the people who live in their communities. They're evil now. They can't be trusted. Who are you going to trust? A politician? Madge Green? Who are you going to trust? Sean Hannity? Who lies? Rachel Maddow, who lies in the interest of their side of the political arguments? Think for yourself. That's just a few examples. This idea that somehow politicians are going to straighten it all out, fix it for us, even justices, it's an interpretation, folks. You could be a constructionist, originalist, whatever term, constitutionalist, whatever term you want to use. You're still going to be asked at some points, whatever your ideology is, whatever your individual bias is, to make a ruling on law. If it was as easy as some say, why would we need a justice? Why would we need a court? It's not. There's interpretation. 855-616-1620. Hopefully I've warmed you up on this Thursday morning. We are losing our minds in this country. And you know what? I think the rest of us who don't play in that crazy bathtub of nonsense... Maybe it's time we take that back. Maybe we fight back for that, to use all the popular campaign slogans. I not only, not only ask the question, I answer the question. Are we losing our mind in this country? The answer is yes. Let me review. Politics. We have commentators on a major network, most popular network, as measured by ratings. A field they worked in for 28 years. 
lying to their viewers, saying things that most Americans of any political persuasion would would say is nuts. You're going to move to a state, Sean Hannity, and you don't get to vote because you moved to a new state for five years? Taxation without representation. Come on, dude. Be smarter than that. Maybe he needs to listen better be smarter. Snow. Lay off the weather forecasters. I'll tell you when it's too much. I'm the son of a meteorologist. I have some experience here. Is there too much weather in the news? Yes. But when we need it, they do a hell of a job. There's another hell for the person who was offended by me using that term. More money in my mom's swear jar for yours truly. Mass. Of course we know much more now than we did at the beginning. So you are ready to risk your life at the beginning of the pandemic because you thought you knew when you didn't? And that's going to be the talking point today. We told you all of this hindsight, 2020 hindsight, all this. We told you so. Reject that nonsense. Is that premature? <laughs> yeah, but they know what's coming. All right. After the break, we're going to have a serious conversation about a proposal by a, here's another representative from Congress. An idea, it's just an idea. So two things. Do we need a national gun of the United States? And in the case of this specific proposal by this legislator, should it be the AR-15? 855-616-1620. Your thoughts and mine after the news. Just to look back for a quick reality check on the old National Bank talking text line. Most people say yes, we're losing our minds. Now, I don't know their political persuasions. They don't have to identify. We don't do that on this show. But um, I have to agree. All right. So this may even fall into that category of mind losing. I take you to Alabama. Not Georgia. Alabama. U.S. Representative Barry Moore. Gun advocate, gun supporter, as I would argue a lot of Americans are, myself included, has a new proposal, new bill, to make the AR-15 rifle the national gun of America. His Twitter quotes I will read from, Today I unveiled my bill to make the AR-15 the national gun of America. We must send a message that will meet every attack on any of our constitutional rights. He included a picture of him speaking with a local gun shop clerk. Troy, Alabama. The bill was introduced Friday by Moore, but um, the rest of the House of Representatives, Representatives haven't received the full text yet. Now, given the GOP majority, I don't know, maybe this will have legs. We don't typically have, I don't think most states have a national gun or a state gun. We have national things that we do recognize, like our flag. The American Eagle, Bald Eagle. Do we need an AR-15 representation? Just my opinion? No. And I say it for this reason. I understand. I have friends that own AR-15s. I don't. I have other guns. I understand the popularity. Lots of fun can be had at a gun range with one of those weapons. But there's that other little factor in this, and it's the appearance. It's the kind of the feel of 
not being aware of what's going on in our country. And whenever we go down the mass shooting road, I understand it's going to piss some people off. I get it. I'm not in the camp where, which some people are, that this is all made up. It's not. Children have been killed. Right? Sandy Hook, Parkland, Columbine, others. So that's a reality. Those, those kids are either dead or injured. That's not made up, even though Alex Jones likes to tell people it is. How'd that work out for him? 855-616-1620. I'm just curious about your thoughts about this. Just an initial reaction. It's my show poll today. Up on Twitter. Alabama Representative Barry Moore, a gun rights advocate, proposing the AR-15 should be the national gun of America. What's your reaction? I gave you a few choices. Seriously, question mark, why? 34%. I support this, Second Amendment, 7%. Worst idea ever, the leader on the course at 54%. With a bunch of comments that I will get to at some point in this remaining half hour. Here's why this bothers me. I'm not saying ban them weapons, although there's a lot of people that would advocate for that. But I think we have to have an awareness when we, when we have rights, constitutional or otherwise, there are responsibilities associated with that. So if you look at the AR-15, Boulder, Colorado, Orlando, Florida, Parkland, Florida, Las Vegas, big country music festival, 58 lives lost, AR-15, Aurora, Colorado, 12 lives lost, many injured. AR-15 variant from Smith & Wesson. Pump action, 12-gauge shotgun, at least one forty caliber semi-automatic pistol. Sandy Hook, of course. 27 lives lost. One of the darkest days of my life. I had no connection to Newtown, Connecticut, no connection to Sandy Hook. I eventually met most of the parents that were involved in this situation in Washington, D.C., in the White House. Can't even imagine what that feels like. But I want to hear what you have to say about it. 855-616-1620. So we have a national gun, and it shouldn't be the AR-15. Ben joins us from South Milwaukee. Welcome to the show, Ben. Good morning. Hey, Steve. Yeah, I think I don't think it's a bad idea. I think, you know, it's it's kind of bringing our, our history with firearms um, into the more mainstream culture. You know, they've been demonized recently because of uh, some of the mass shootings and that, but those are so statistically um, small in terms of like all the other rates of death um, and in terms of even shootings in general, um, air 15s. But those are the ones that get the most publicity. Because they're That's the most, wouldn't you argue they're the most, they're the most heinous? That's why they get the attention. Because, you know, kids get slaughtered, concert goers get slaughtered. I mean, yeah. that's why they get the attention. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons. I mean, people get kidnapped every day and killed, um, but, you know, we don't hear about it. So Why, yeah, this, do, we, why do we need a national why. gun? Why do we need a national gun? I, I, don't, I don't mean to be stepping over you, but I want to get these questions. Why do we need a national gun? Because, you know, it, it, it represents uh, gun rights in America. You know, we have a long history of freedom and from breaking our independence from Great Britain. It was a major part of that. <clears throat> um, just bringing 
the, the gun culture kind of more mainstream and we're, we're taking that away from the criminals and those who want to like really do bad with it. Um, it, it shows that there's people out there that, you know, I see other uses for firearms and that are responsible. And, you know, that's kind of one of the representations of doing that. I appreciate you taking the time, Ben, and, and ex- expressing your opinion. I don't agree, but, I mean, that's his take. And I'm sure there's other people th- that share that opinion. Let's go to the old National Bank talk and text line. Um, we don't need a national gun. We need control of who gets the guns people kill. But we could go, and I've done it, another hour on the punishment, penalty side of this argument, right? We don't have people running around who have violent past criminal histories. They can't hurt anybody in prison other than the other prisoners. But yet here we are. Mandy joins us from Walk. Welcome to the show, Mandy. Thanks for listening and thanks for calling in. Hi, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? It's sad. And it's, it's, it's just so disrespectful. And it's like a slap in the face to all the people who lost family members and children. Um, it's, that's, it's just such a bad idea. And obviously this guy just likes to stir the pot. So um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I can't even believe it's uh, a topic. I can't even believe that's something that he would want uh, to well, represent his I, state. To be honest, I, I saw the story this morning. I said, I'm stunned by it. And I, and I read a lot about the things that elected officials say in this country. And it's, it's hard to be surprised, but this one kind of surprised me that we actually, and thanks for the call, Mandy, um, that we actually need something like this. And the fact that this is our reaction, this is the part that drives me nuts. 855-616-1620, if you want to join the conversation. Happy to have you on the phone or on the text. And I got a bunch of texts on this. It's, it's a classic example of the, the way that we respond to any, almost any news in this country. I, I started the show by talking about losing our minds about snow forecasting, weather forecasting. I mean, something, they're just trying to help us, folks. They're not evil people or mass. Now there's a whole industry of people that want to prosecute scientists, medical experts, health professionals, because they wanted to keep us safe when they didn't know at the time the full scale of the pandemic. We know a lot more now. That's why most of us aren't walking around wearing masks. That's 2020 hindsight's. But part of the problem with the Second Amendment and its public perception is, and for gun owners, you you know this, because I talk to a lot of gun owners, trust me. There's two camps. One that accept the responsibilities, and and then there's the in-your-face group, the folks who want to wear AR-15 pins on their suits or dresses. People like this who want to make a national gun. We didn't have one before. Why do we need one now? What's changed? Mass shootings? So, so if you're creating it now, it's in reaction to what exactly? The Second Amendment is a very short amendment. If you're going to make some sort of a constitutional or originalist arguments about the Second Amendment, why wouldn't it be represented by a muzzle loader or a musket if you want to be historically accurate? Look, I understand the popularity of this weapon. Lots of friends own them. Family members own them. I get it. And in the right situation, it's fun to shoot. Trust me. 
I had one experience. It's, it's thrilling in a range. But that's missing the bigger points. And it highlights my earlier points. We are so engaged in conflict politics, tantrum politics, that our reaction to anything now has to be immediately, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wear a pin. I'm going to make a national gun when we didn't have that need before. And if that's your reaction to these stories, these mass shootings, I didn't even read the whole list. And to the earlier, earlier caller's points, there's a reason why Sandy Hooks, Parkland, Columbine, Las Vegas, the list is too long. Get attention. And this is my fundamental point always when we talk about mass shootings. No one should have to fear. I didn't even mention Oak Creek and the other shootings in places of worship in this country. No one should have to go to these places and expect to be killed. And if you're going to come at me, and this is a common response whenever I talk about guns, with more good guys, we have plenty of good guys with guns. We have, what is it, the newest number, 400 million guns? 300 and, what, 30, 20 people, million people in this country? We got plenty of good guys with guns. How's that working out? Where's the data that suggests we're safer after all of this? I will stand up for the Second Amendment, but I won't stand up for nonsense. The stripping of red flag laws, proper licensing, tracking where guns go. I'm going to take a break here. I'm late for a break. I'd love to hear what you have to say. i got some text on it. I'd love to have you on the phone as well, 855-616-1620. The absurdity, my word of the need for a national gun now in the midst of all the tragedy we've seen, in many cases carried out with an AR-15. Join us at WTMJ for a day-long broadcast next week. Annex Wealth Management presents WTMJ Conversations 2023, sponsored by Smart Spaces. All of the names you know that make Milwaukee operate long-form conversations with professionals from all sorts of industries, including politics, sports, the arts, and more next Wednesday, March 1st, starting at 8 a.m. Annex Wealth Management presents WTMJ Conversations 2023 right here on WTMJ. And I'll just give you a little look ahead. In studio, Governor of the State of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, both candidates for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. I'm, that's just my guess. We're loaded. No conversation with your producer, though. Yeah. But you're going to be working hard that day. There's going to be a lot going on here. I hard, hardly working or working hard? I would say the latter. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> you just want to be on the air, don't you? Because the, no, the morning's not enough for you. It is enough. It's plenty. Yes. It, nice, may, it may be more than enough. Yeah, you're doing a good job in the morning show. The sports guy, Thank the U.S. guy, Brandon Snide. A tremendous up-and-comer rising star at WTMJ. I said it. All right. A couple quick texts, and then we'll get to the phone lines. I see Keith from Grafton is queued up. Uh, 608, area code. I am pro-gun and concealed carry, but I believe the AR-15 should be removed from the market. There's no need for it to be on the market. You don't, you don't hunt with them. But the people that like to shoot as a hobby, get over yourselves. That's from a pro-gun, concealed carry. Um, from the 414, if we need to have a national gun, why not out of the guns that were used in the American Revolution, a point I made earlier? Muskets, how about that? All those originalists out there who love to go back in time. Well, 
That was the weapon referred to in the Second Amendment, right? Uh, 414. The Second Amendment starts with the words, a well-regulated militia, meaning private groups of individuals. I'm curious about your thoughts. I'm not advocating for stripping the Second Amendment, but like anything, any constitutional right has responsibilities and in some cases limits. For example, I can't walk around with a bazooka in my neighborhood. I can guarantee you that in this country, there's people that wish they could. Trust me. I can't take a loaded gun on the air on an airplane. That's a restriction. If we're going to have this originalist interpretation of the Constitution, why can't I have my loaded gun on the plane? What if somebody something bad happens? I can take the shooter down. Seriously? How about you could punch a hole in a tube flying 700 miles an hour, however fast they go, threatening the lives of everybody else? Keith from Grafton joins us. Welcome to the show, Keith. Good morning. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm going to answer your question real quick. I think the AR-15 is a bad idea, okay? Okay. Um, Just as the national gun, because I think, like, you know, a 30-30 lever action, the old Winchester, you know, riding a horse, that'd be a cool one. That's what I would think. Of course. There's other examples we could have chosen here. Right. But, But as a topic, though, this guy comes out. You always lead with the with the worst thing first or the best thing first, whatever you're doing, right? Then you work backwards from there. The issue that we continue to have, though, is the is this gun issue. And everybody, just like women's right to choose, if they, they think that if you take a little bit, they're going to chip away at it every single time. we got to meet in the middle somewhere on all of this and come up with real gun laws. Like right now, you can go in and buy a gun and walk out with a gun that same day, right? I own, I own guns. We hunt. Why don't you have a waiting period, handguns, for a week? It's not a big deal. No, Keith. We don't have that because, again, you chip away at it. That's what the concern is of gun owners like me because there's a national registry and all the stuff they talk about. And in our heads, it just ticks. You just want to take my guns away. Just like a women's right to choose, you know, 16 weeks isn't a bad week. But, again, though, you're you got to meet in the middle somewhere. That's, those are great points, and, I, and I'll, I'll let you hang up because I was getting some feedback there. Look, fair points. But that last comment you made is exactly it. We never meet in the middle. It's extremists on both sides. Ban all guns or no restrictions whatsoever, even ones that make sense. Now I'm hearing arguments that, that people that are, that are convicted of domestic violence, use of a firearm in the act of that. We can't take away their gun rights. That's not fair. Second Amendment. You know what? That's crazy. The same people that argue that we should do that and and remove all restrictions are the same people that argue argue that we need to be tougher on criminals. What is it? What side of the basket are we going to favor here? And the answer, as the caller just said, is we meet in the middle, folks, which is something I've been advocating for for years and really tied to the start of the show. The crazies are dominating the conversation. We need to take that back, fight back. It's not the end of the world. No one's coming for your guns. There's 400 million guns in this country. Just the logistics of that are insane. But with rights come responsibilities, and one of the responsibilities is keeping each other safe. And if you're, unless you're abdicating that one and don't care, which I'm starting to come to the conclusion might be fact. Do I have another break to take? I do. All right. 
We'll continue the conversation. You're listening to WTMJ. Breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected official. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello. Political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. Showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 10 o'clock hour, WTMJ, the Avenue Studios in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Yes, thanks for listening. Thanks for finding us, the stream, which works wonderfully across these great United States and even overseas. We have international listeners. Love that. So I don't often do this, but I'm going to bring back a poll from yesterday because it's going to set up our conversation for the next half hour. It's an important conversation, timely, relevant, because we are now in the general election phase of the campaign for Wisconsin Supreme Court, former Justice Dan Kelly, current Judge Janet Protosiewicz. And as much pushback as I got on this poll, I'll tell you why I think it's relevant, and uh, you can give me your thoughts as well, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. question yesterday was this. And you can find it on 620 WTMJ or on my page at WTMJ Steve. As I said, the matchup is now set. Two top vote getters. And I asked this question related to this. In your mind, what is the number one issue in this race? And the answers that I provided were abortion, crime, education, If I looked at the comments, which were significant, I got 57 comments, which is a lot. Almost 1,000 people voted on this poll. Another one was redistricting, which is a case that the Supreme Court in the future may take up. And all that's involved with that, gerrymandering, control of the legislature, over or under-representation and all that. But that's not where I want to focus. The issue of abortion. People challenged me. That's not a Supreme Court issue. Well, yes, it is. Because at some point... That 1849 law will probably get back to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And some people said, why do you just use abortion? Why don't you just use women's rights? Use whatever term you want. It got 59% of the votes. Almost 1,000 votes. That's significant. And I started to hear from People that have my email, and you can get it too, steve.scafidi2f1d at wtmj.com, about why this is, why that was so significant, why Janet Protosiewicz got so many votes, and why Dan Kelly, Justice Dan Kelly, will have a hard time beating her in April. Is it impossible that he beats her? Absolutely not. Anything can happen in elections. We've seen that. Donald Trump was president of the United States. If George Washington or John Adams or Thomas Jefferson meets Donald Trump, The first thing they say after that meeting is, who is this knucklehead? But it happened. Anything can happen. 
And I'm not equating Dan Kelly with Donald Trump, so save the text. But I, I started to hear from women specifically, Republican women, who took the time, and I appreciate the letters and the emails and the texts in some cases, because I think this is a point that's being missed here. The reason why abortion slash women's rights slash 1849 law is such a big deal is women of the Republican brand also understand that this is a big decision, future decision, conversation. And it's a mistake to assume, and I wasn't implying that it was just one side of the aisle thinks this, one side of the aisle thinks this, because that's not the issue. It's what women think on this issue, because I'm not being directly affected by it. And I've said, in my world, abortion is rare and is restricted. It's not birth control. And I understand that makes some people on the left very angry, but that's what I think about it. 855-616-1620. The reason why this race will be hard for Republicans slash conservatives slash Dan Kelly to win is this issue. Because there's enough Republican conservative women out there who don't agree with the party line on this. Which is an oversimplification, I understand. Because not all, again, not all Democrats favor abortion. Now, not all Republicans oppose it. But that factor, that piece of the election day puzzle, is enough to sway the election one way. That's why it matters. And I, I got an interesting text. I, I think I still have it up. Yeah, I got it from 262. And you can join us at 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Steve, I like your show. If Kelly wants to win in April, he needs to say he will start the 1849 Wisconsin abortion law and propose an exception for rape, incest, and health of the mother. I can't argue with that. There are a ton of conservative women out there who say... They nod their head to that. Yes, yes, yes. Understand there's some that don't. Which goes to my earlier points. We can play the extreme game. I understand how that makes people cheerlead for politics, right? My side won. My, we won the day on that issue. But that's not governing. That's not leadership. That's political science nerds who spend more time thinking about the logistics of elections than the ramifications of the decisions that the people elected actually make. That is dangerous. 855-616-1620. In my mind, this is the fundamental issue in this state right now. That Supreme Court decision to throw it back to the states essentially opened the door for a change in the lean of Wisconsin Supreme Court's and on, at this moment, and I have both of, both of the candidates on the show next week, Wednesday, I'm hard-pressed to think that it doesn't. We'll take a break here. Scott's up next on the phone lines. Lots of texts as well. We'll continue the conversation after this. Number one issue in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, I think, is abortion, women's rights. I do. And that's not exclusive to Democrats who are going to vote for Janet Portosiewicz. There's tons of Republican slash conservative women who also may do that same thing because of that issue. Scott joins us from South Milwaukee. Welcome to the show, Scott. 
Hey, good, good morning, Stephen. Thanks for taking my phone call. No, the, the way that I feel that this election is going to break down is that Wisconsin is a 70-30 state when it comes to the to um, the um, the um, um, views on the Dobbs decision. Um, within Dane County, whatever, Dane County voters absolutely deplore whatever Act 10. Protestay, which has already come out and said that her values, whatever, when it comes to women's rights, whatever that is, that she's pro-choice. She's already stated whatever that she feels that Act 10 is unconstitutional. So what's going to happen is, is that 80% of that 70% is going to vote for Protestay, which Dane County, you're going to see probably 90% would vote for Protestay, which Protestay, which is good in the, in, the, in the conservative constitutional candidate, they have no issue, whatever, no issues, whatever, to counter to counterbalance that. So you're going to see this election be protest which is going to get at least 55 percent of the vote, if not, if not more. Yeah, thanks for the call, Scott. And she got 54 plus in the in the primary. Look, Protosawitz, Judge Janet, did pretty well in very traditionally conservative districts in the state. In my mind, that's because of this issue. It's not a it's not a surprise. Now, I have a ton of text on this. I want to, I want to sort through these because there's all kinds of different takes. 760 area code. Thanks for the long distance. Listen, I appreciate it. Leadership is not changing your view on an issue. I would actually disagree with that, but I'll continue reading the, uh, the text because you're going to lose in an election. That part, the last part's true. But leadership is understanding circumstances change. Realities change. We learn things, right? So science 100 years ago looks nothing like science now. And understanding that, even in the little scale of time, historically speaking, between the pandemic time and a few years ago and now, we learned a lot about mass and transmission. Decisions made then wouldn't be the same decisions we make today. But we didn't know that, which a lot of talkers will forget about that point. From the old National Bank talk and text line, you can join us as well, 855-616-1620. Steve, the problem with Kelly deciding that he, would interpret the, that he would interpret the abortion law to allow for rape or incest is he's going to down that activist judge road. Not good for someone selling himself as a strict constitutionalist. I, I think we're getting off. The legislature can make that change. The Supreme Court would rule if that's challenged, if someone challenges those changes. Um, this one goes back to our previous topic. As a woman who needed a, I think it says DNC following an unsuccessful pregnancy, I don't want other women to have to experience additional pain and suffering because they cannot get the procedure needed. I agree. That's why common sense, compromise, even from some really strong conservative voices here and elsewhere, there can be something that we all agree on. I shouldn't say all. Most of us can agree on that's common sense legislation. Let me put my critic, political critic hat on. A lot of political stock has been made from candidates who turned out to be elected and elected officials with their my way or the highway, you're wrong, I'm right, I don't care what the, what the polls say, unless they agree with them. I'm going to ignore what 75% of the population wants in our state because I know better. There's, there's been a lot of um, success from that attitude on both sides. Whether it's the Democrats in big cities in Wisconsin or the Republicans in the more rural areas of the state. I get it. 
Ultimately, you're trying to win an election. But the goal of a real leader, as I've said over and over again, two things. One, you represent everybody. That's, that's rule number one, and it's forgotten as soon as someone takes office. I, I stand up for what I believe, and I stand up for the people that voted for me. That's not the job, folks. You can say it is, but that's not the job. And two, not working efficiently as a leader, local, county, states, and throw in the federal government as well, kills real solutions to problems, i.e. border policy, i.e. abortion, i.e. pick one, crime, education. We're so resistant to listen to the other side that we're getting nowhere on this stuff. We're getting further entrenched. And further entrenched means more likely that we will see violence as a result. Do I want to predict that? No. I would hope we have cooler, calmer, smarter heads prevail. From the 773, thank you for the long distance listening. You don't have to be a man or woman to support life, meaning how you vote on issues that directly don't affect you. I understand the pro-life position. Trust me. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if you want something, here, ultimately, it's about this, right? Whatever your, whatever your issue, pro-abortion, no restrictions, or, or middle, or pro-life, whatever that is, ultimately, there's a political decision or calculation that has to be made. If you're all the way with no abortions whatsoever, no exceptions, are you prepared to lose that argument? Because that's what happens when a Supreme Court, Wisconsin or otherwise, makes a decision. So then you have to ask yourself, if your goal is, I don't want to see babies be killed, if that's your definition of abortion. And for a lot of people, that's what it is. You could have had something in the middle. Less people. Future people. Again, that's the argument made on the right. Think about it for a second. The real-life implication of, of your hardening a position has gotten us where we're at. And at the end of the day, if you lose that argument, what did you win? Personal satisfaction? Maybe. 262, I think for years the mostly older white men who lead the Republican Party myopically believe that their ideas and priorities represent those of all the people. I've been around Republicans all my life. I vote Republican most of the time which may shock some people. I'm also a realist. I also have had real jobs in my life, not just elected jobs. So whether you're a talker or an elected official, having real experience, work experience, kind of helps you make decisions that are based in reality, not some weird political environment where I think this, therefore that's how I will vote ignoring half of your voters or whatever percentage you won, won or lost by. That's not the real world. So you can be somebody who slams their fist on a table and, doggone it, I'm right. This is where that philosophy has got it. And for my Republican friends, look, there's a lot of hardworking people on both sides. But if I see another picture, group picture, where 95% of the people in that picture look like me, which is older, white, and male, 
You're doing it wrong. Unless you rig the system, you will lose power for a long time in this country. That's the reality. As you can imagine, lots of uh, people want to talk on this issue. Abortion, I say it's the number one issue in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. You can disagree if you want to, but I'm hearing from a lot of women who say that's exactly right. So we'll continue the conversation after the bottom of the hour news. Let's get right back to the conversation. Listen to WTMJ. I'm Steve Brandon, producing as always. Thanks for tuning in, however you find us. Appreciate each and every one of you. I can tell you there's a lot of diversity on the on the commentary. Um, I got this, 262. Steve, I don't think it's about abortion, but more about women's rights. What woman would want an old white guy telling them what's good for them or their health? As simplistic as that sounds, there's a lot of head nods to that one. I've heard from conservative women saying this. Let's go to the phone lines. Bert from Milwaukee joins us. Welcome to the show, Bert. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, um, I totally agree that it's not um, a one-sided issue. I think it's women from every party or every, you know, it could be cross cultures. It could be cross ages. It could be anything. Because I truly believe that women think that it's important to have the rights if they need them. So, you know, and you know what? I got to I don't got to ask you, have you read the book Why We're Polarized? No, who wrote it? It's by Ezra Klein. It's it's 2020, so it's a few years out, but it's amazing. And I think Republicans, conservatives, liberals, anybody who votes should read it because, I mean, it's just like it was back in the 60s. Reagan thought that people who came to the country should, even if they were illegal, should be able to stay back when he was president. Mm-hmm. Biden thought, Abortion was bad back in 1982. Yep. So, I mean, it's politicians need to get with the times and see what their voters are saying. Yes. I, just, I don't get it. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Bert. And, and a simpler way to put that is they need to listen better. That will make them smarter. Be smarter. Listen better. Be smarter. Let's get uh, Dwayne into the conversation. Hey, Dwayne. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What do you think? So my thoughts are, and this is kind of broad brush, but whoever with the most money with the most money tends to win, regardless of the issue. Um, I, I think that in this particular case, we're kind of lined up with that because she has the most money, and she's on the right side. I'll call it of of the agenda at hand. But it just seems it kind of goes back to even to the presidency. Um, who with the most money wins? If you can't be a 60-some or 70-year-old rich person, how is some 50-year-old non-multimillionaire ever going to stand a chance? Yeah, thanks for the call, Dwayne. That's a great point. And we're at where we're at, barrage of commercials, rich people funding campaigns and elections. That's because of a court decision. That's why this stuff matters. That's why it's important. Back to the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, 262. Abortion was exactly what, and it says my something, told me is the most important issue. You said the same thing about midterms. Thanks, Paul. I'm not sure what you're trying to get to there, Paul. Um, from the 414. And even, though, even though the keyword abortion is spewed from candidates, what exactly do they plan to do? Or are they just using that word to make a correction, connection to a certain class of voters in hopes of getting more votes from themselves? Well, in the case of Supreme Court justices, they shouldn't be free ruling. That is a fair criticism of Judge Janet Protosiewicz. But again, the reason I brought this up as a topic today, I've talked about abortion 
on this show over the last six years probably less than 10 times. But I'm listening to commentary yesterday here and elsewhere because Wisconsin is the you know, focus of a lot of national attention based on this race. And if you don't think women in this country aren't looking at Wisconsin, this Supreme Court race, as a important moment in time, you're missing everything. And I'm hearing commentary about all these other issues, crime, you know, uh, the, the rule of law is going to go out the window of so-and-so. You're missing the points. And a texture made it before, and I, I didn't read the text, but an observation at the polling places, a heck of a lot of women showed up in a primary. Record turnout, by the way. I think it was tw- I think Charles Franklin told me it was 26%. I, I'm, I'm guessing because I don't have the response in front of me. 26% of registered voters, just higher than 20% of all adults in Wisconsin. It's pretty impressive. Is it good enough? No, it sucks. Should never go lower than fifty percent. It should be higher than that. And I can guarantee you, if Republicans or conservatives don't like the fact that women are showing up in record numbers because of the issue I talked about, wait till April. You think they're going to be less energized when they can smell a victory, a chance to have a liberal-leaning Supreme Court in Wisconsin? I could have a real conversation about why that's dangerous for a lot of other issues. Absolutely. But on this one, women are speaking loudly and clearly, and they're not all Democrats. Trust me on this one. I mentioned to a couple of the letter writers, email writers, that if they give me permission, I'll read their letters on the air. And for any talker, political expert in air quotes, who doesn't understand this point, you're not living in the real world. I understand political deflection, political talking points, party talking points, And some of that may be effective. You can make crime the issue if you want to. But as a good friend of mine at at GKB said, that's a difficult one for the Supreme Court because most of that's local, right? There's some big issues, bail reform, social justice, justice when it comes to policing measures and practices. Yeah, there's some connections there. But this one is specifically tied to a group, the largest group of voters, which is women, which transcends party affiliation. And to not understand that, to, and this is another criticism of my friends on the, on the Republican side. You want to you dig in on this stuff? My way or the highway, no exceptions, blah, 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 any issue, right? We know better. We don't care what they say. This is kind of what you get. This is kind of what happens. Gail from Wauwatosa. I just wish liberals would stop saying Republicans are against women's health care. They're not against women's health care, but they've taken a very hard stance on this specific issue, my words. Abortion is a separate issue from women's health care. I understand the point, Gail, but many women would disagree with you. Most women, probably, given the polling I've seen. Uh, Gail goes on to say it shouldn't be a governmental political issue, but it is, because it involves legislation and courts. Therefore, it does fall into their control. From the 262, I agree it's a one-issue race. I'm 65 years old, and this is the fact, first time in my 40-year marriage, that my wife and my adult daughter urged me to vote in a certain way. Listen, folks. 
all those consultants slash political experts out there who are getting paid by Republicans and conservatives in this race or others, listen. You will be smarter. We'll continue the conversation after this. Thank you, Cheech and Chong. Thank you, Samir Elephants. I still love that all these years. I listened to that in high school, I think, when they came out. Or, yeah, probably before that, junior high. Um, I thought we'd, it, this is a good opportunity to kind of pivot here, and it's, it's somewhat related to much of the conversation in the first hour and 45 minutes of the show. Here's the headline. Americans would rather hurt their own political cause than help the opposition study reveals. And when I saw that yesterday, I'm thinking... Nailed it. Exactly right. Owning the other side. Even if it hurts our own party. <laughs> this is the absurdity of politics in 2023. All these experts, highly paid experts. All they care about is winning. Doesn't matter what the result of the election is. The legislation produced. Just care about winning. 70% of U.S. adults from all political party affiliations, not not one or the other, but both, would rather not donate to an opposing party, even if it means it'll hurt their own party. They would rather have the money taken from the other party than give to their own party, which is kind of astounding. But this highlights what I've been talking about. The own-the-other-side generation probably beyond that. It's probably a couple generations now. Fueled by talk radio and mindless network television. Has gotten us to this point. You shouldn't be shocked, surprised. Unwillingness to compromise. Really, rather argue than fix. Tell me I'm wrong. Give me the evidence. Pick an issue. Tell me I'm wrong. Rather argue than fix. And this is demonstrating itself over and over again in our elections. Financed by fewer and fewer people with very large donations. Shifting the arguments to the extremes on the left and the right. And those of us in the middle are like middle of the of the political realm are like, what are we doing here? Electeds who take most of the year off from their jobs. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Taking calls and emails from their constituents and writing press releases. Not really work, in my opinion. You want a good measure of how to gauge this in real life? You have to be on social media, but follow either side. doesn't matter. Follow the tweets and posts of some of these people. And you'll quickly learn that it's not about what they're going to do. Their tweets and posts are filled with attacks on the other side. Owning the other side, of course, which is so popular. You know, the bravado and the machismo of a social media accounts. Political nerds, or elected officials for that matter. Tough guys, primarily. Tough women, sometimes. 
if they were ever asked to stand up in a real fight, would run between their tails with their tail between their legs. Let's be honest. Tough guys, tough girls in, in political life, wimps in real life. That's the reality. Take a look at the group picture. You'll see what I'm talking about. Does it mean that all politicians are bad? No, of course not. There's some good ones. Believe it or not, there's some good ones on both sides. But you don't know that because all the idiots, knuckleheads, attention seekers get all the attention. The homework is simple. Give up the only other side. All you should be cared about in politics is what your side's doing. Not owning the other side. Ask your leaders in your party, the one you typically vote for, based on their letter more often than not, which is, to me seems insane, but you do you. In the sense of an exclusive vote. Doesn't mean you can't lean one way or the other. We all do. Ask them what they're going to do on an issue. How they're going to fix something. That's real world leadership. Turn the noise down. Use your brain, not theirs. Because nine times out of ten, their brain's not fully functional. Yours is. It hasn't been polluted, hopefully, by squawking heads, people who lie on network television when they say the opposite in real life when pressed to. And the quicker we understand that is the actual quicker way to fixing things, which should be our goal always. But again, that's from someone who actually led a city, had to show leadership, even in critical tough times. Not somebody who just does this. That's this week's Scafidiology. Some breaking news for you, some sad news. Wisconsin's 41st Governor Tony Earl passed away early this morning, according to your lease from the uh, office of Governor Tony Evers. Uh, he suffered a stroke last weekend was hospitalized, and according to this story, was allowed to could spend the remaining time after the stroke surrounded by his daughters and close family. So, sad news. Um, this order from the governor, Tony Evers, signed Executive Order 187, ordering the U.S. and state flags to be flown at half-staff, effective immediately, to honor the former governor and the work he did for the state. Uh, he said this, Governor Evers, about Tony Earle, a formidable leader and public servant, trusted colleague and mentor, and a good and loyal friend. Tony was well-liked and respected by so many. I think I talked to him once on the show. I, I had a couple weeks where I talked to all the former governors. I think I just missed one. Um, I mean, it's always sad when, when anyone passes away, but um, when a leader of a state as great as Wisconsin, it is a moment to kind of pause and reflect on all the things we've been talking about, certainly. Uh, legacy heavily devoted to conservation, a really interesting quote from the governor, Tony Evers, about Tony Earl's legacy. Pragmatic policy solutions with respect, despite the party affiliation, passion for and commitment to good governance, his leadership in pro promoting diversity and inclusion, especially for LB, LGBTQ, Wisconsinites, women and communities of color, and being an outspoken critic of polarization and money in politics. Where have you heard that before? So, uh, governor, 40 First governor of the state of Wisconsin, Tony Earl, passing away this morning. So that's always sad news. So uh, respect to the governor, all governors, and anybody who serves. Um, we need some callers because we're going to fire up.
That's what Steve said after the break. Don't forget Mineshaft. Wonderful restaurant in downtown Hartford. Now provides our winners with a $30 gift card. Two callers, five questions that could change your life. If winning a gift card will do that. Right from the show, five questions. Each has three possible answers. Two contestants to 855-616-1620. You'll win a gift card from the Mineshaft Restaurant in beautiful downtown Hartford. You hear John talking about your me talking about it. We'll give them some love as well. Got to be a good listener, but I give you I give you the opportunity. The real answer is in there. We'll actually play the live clips from the show when I talked about each of these issues. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about politics. Probably Aaron Rodgers mixed in there as well. So join us, 855-616-1620. Need two contestants for That's What Steve Said. The news, my friends, is next right here on WTMJ. It's time to talk about the topics that were vague. That's what she said. Ha! I don't get it. It's time to talk about the topics that were hard. That's what she said. Or he said. It's time to talk about the topics that had us saying. That's what she said. It's time for. That's what she said. (laughs) No, it's time for that's what Steve said. Let's just say it. To lighten the tension when things sort of get hard. Thank you, Steve Carell. Of course, every week, every Thursday, 11 o'clock hour. That's what Steve said. Today is no different. Five questions that could change your life. Thanks to the folks at Mineshaft. Restaurant, incredible restaurant, beautiful downtown Hartford. The prize for winning, a $30 gift card. How good is that? Pizza Thursday, Christ, buy one, second one free. Come on. Their food's amazing. The restaurant's amazing, just on its own. Staff friendly. Food amazing. What's not to like? All right, let's meet our contestants on this <clears throat> cold, snowy, rainy, sleety Thursday you heard Paul Koff. We'll go to we'll go to Paul first. Hey Paul from Mayville, how are you? Very good. How are you? <laughs> good. Tell me about Paul from Mayville in thirty seconds or less. Well, I'm out uh, volunteer driving this morning, which I do a couple days a week. Uh, started out this morning at eight o'clock, and the roads were thirty five miles per hour. They've pretty much cleared off now, but now we have. Uh, Big snowflakes coming down in Mayville. Interesting. All right. Well, be safe on the roads. Uh, let's meet Debbie from West Dallas. Hi, Debbie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm wonderful on this Thursday. Staying dry. Are you? Um, are you a frequent listener to the program? I'm sorry. Say that again. Are you a frequent listener to the program? Yes, I am. Love yes, that. I am. I love that, Debbie. All right, so tell me about Debbie. Tell me something I would be surprised to hear, maybe. Um, I have three grandsons, and I'm expecting a granddaughter in July. Ooh, finally got the girl. That's good. That's amazing. I have three, yes. three grandchildren, yes. two boys and one girl, so we're kind of similar. All right, here are the rules. They're simple. I read. I didn't wait for the special music. Thank you, Mr. Brandon. I read five questions. Each question has a list of three possible answers. Only one is correct. And then I confirm the correct answer by playing the actual audio from the show of when I talked about each of these issues. Debbie from West Dallas, are you ready? Yes, I am. Paul from Mayville? I am ready. All right, Debbie, you're up first. Paul, listen carefully. Here's our question. It has to do with our primary election, which happened Tuesday in the state of Wisconsin. 
general election just six weeks away. Voting was obviously on my mind and that of Wisconsinites this week. What did I say about voter turnout in Wisconsin? Three possible answers. Only one is correct. A, the weather is bad. People are busy. Even the candidates are lousy. Not surprising. Nobody wants to come out and vote. B, it's not exclusive to one demographic. We can't be bothered. That's pathetic. That's lazy. Or C, I'm not sure it's not going to get a lot worse. People are turned off from politics. Debbie from West Dallas, what's the right answer? I'll say B. Debbie says B. Paul, what do you say? C is in Charlie. All right. We'll put a smile on Debbie's face. Here's what I said. And it's not even exclusive to one demographic. Young people, middle-aged, old people, seniors. Can't be bothered. In this day and age, that's pathetic. That is lazy. Ooh, loyal listener Debbie gets a quick one-question <laughs> lead. All right, Paul, you're up first. Question number two. Listen carefully. This was a, I believe it was a Monday. Yeah, it was a Monday topic when Carol was with me. This, the scrubbing of the English language for supposedly offensive words... Came up on Monday. Caroline, we're talking about this. The act of taking words out of previously published books. I had a really strong take on this. What was it? A, how ridiculous are we going to be? You are changing the original words and text of the authors. B, we shouldn't be surprised. In today's world, everything old is offensive. Or C, what's next? The word police. Paul from Mayville, what's the right answer? C is in Charlie. All right, you're consistent, if nothing else. Debbie, what is the right answer? And I was to A. All right. Debbie, rather, flexing her muscles. Let's hear it. So whatever word you pick, and generally, I think they use the term enormous or something, right? Okay. Enormously fat, yeah, now it's yeah. just enormous. Right. You can't, you can't, you can't size shame somebody. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous are we going to be with this stuff? You're changing the original words and texts of authors. All right, Debbie, up 2-0 on Paul. Paul's Yay. got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, Debbie, you're up first. Question number three. Talking about loyal listeners, you're one of them. To the program, now that I've been very critical of the work product of our elected officials, have been very critical, especially today. What did I say about politicians and leadership? Three possible answers. Only one is correct. A, get in there and do your job and stop writing press releases. That's not work. B, Want to, get, want to get a handle on what our elected leaders are up to? You can't. They don't answer emails or phone calls. Or C, I'm sure they all have a good answer for their lack of work and their failure to fix any of our country's problems. But that answer better not be that they're overworked. Please. What's the right answer, Debbie? B. Debbie says B. What does Paul say? He is an Adam. Oh, Call him the comeback kid. Let's hear it. And uh, one more quick take. Whoever told legislators or leaders that writing press releases is work, it's not. It's lazy leadership. So when I read this churn of releases last night that came out after the speech, do your damn job. Get in there and do your job and stop writing press releases. That's not work. Ooh, I was worked up that day. Woo, woo, woo. All right, Debbie. <laughs> two questions, Paul, with one correct. We go to Paul for question number four. He starts... I've been at war with cable and internet service providers for almost 500 days, more than a year now. What was my smart take this week on the quality or lack thereof of their service? A, nothing is worth what you pay for it anymore. Don't get me started on their customer no service departments. B, it's 2023, and yet we still are here with super slow internet speeds and TV lineups filled with home shopping and reality TV channels. Or C, you cost too much and your service is horrible. 
You can assign whatever corporate identity you want to, but but you all suck. Paul, what's the right answer? C is in Charlie. Paul says C. Debbie, what say you? B. All right. Paul getting back in the game. Here's what I said. Because let's be honest, in nearly 500 days of my war on Internet and television service providers, you guys suck. You cost too much. And your service is horrible. And you can assign whatever corporate identity you want to all of these places because you all suck. Can't say it any clearer than that. That is true every day. Still sucks. All right. We are tied at two. And that's what Steve said on this Thursday from the beautiful Avenue Studios in downtown Milwaukee. A gift card from the wonderful, incredible Mine Chef restaurants in downtown Hartford at stake. Debbie, you get first crack at this one. This question has to do with a, a story I, I revisited this morning, actually. Marjorie Taylor Green, I call her Madge from Georgia, got a mention on the show earlier this week and today. What do you think I had to say about the representative who is better known for shouting liar than actually serving her constituents in the House. Three possible answers. Only one is correct, Debbie, which is an A. I don't like to speak ill of people, but I'll make an exception. She makes Donald Trump look civilized. B, she's out of her freaking mind. To use a movie term, what used to be the best and brightest is now the dumb and dumber. Or C, MTG could be the head cheerleader for Knucklehead University. What's the right answer, Debbie? B. Debbie says B. Paul, what do you say? I'll say A as an Adam. Oh, goodness here. Let's hear it. Representative in the U.S. House of Representatives, who is frankly out of her freaking mind, and yet is an elected representative in this country. What used to be the best and the brightest is now often, to use a movie term, the dumb and dumber. Debbie from West House is our winner. Paul, thanks for playing. That's what Steve said. Thank you. And thank, thank you, Paul. And thanks for doing all that great volunteer mm -hmm. work as well. Those volunteer drivers are really necessary in, in today's world. And Debbie from West Dallas, not only do you have your fourth grandchild in a way, but you're going to be going on us and on the Mind Chef restaurant to a great restaurant in, in our area. Congrats on winning. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Hang on the line. Producer Brandon will get all your important information. That's was, that thank was, you. rather, that's what Steve said. Thanks to Debbie, our big winner, West Dallas, Paul from Mayville. He said something in his in his um, description that intrigues me. I, I love the fact, I was talking about paying it forward and doing the right thing. There's an example, volunteer driving. We're all, you know, content sitting on our couches at home, relaxing, watching TV, watching bad reality TV and infomercials and all that nonsense, all the political nonsense that passes for commentary. The, you know, the shows where they say something on the show, but in real life they say the complete opposite. You know, those shows, we all could get real comfortable doing that. I've, I've probably gotten too comfortable doing that. But here's a guy that's out there hustling for helping in other people. I love that. It's a good story. All right, I just wanted to revisit a couple things uh, from the text line. And uh, I, don't, I can't read all the texts. There's, in the course of a show, there's like a thousand texts. But you're often really good at addressing the, the conversation at hand. And I, I like to acknowledge that because it's, it shows me, it's my motto, right? Listen better, be smarter. we got a lot of smart listeners. And it, it's really something that I pay attention to. I know there's other shows that kind of look at it as a nuisance. I don't. I love the old National Bank talking text line. Um, this one has to do with the, the sad story, the passing of Tony Earle, 40 first governor of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, hey, Steve, great show this morning. I think people across Wisconsin generally like Tony Earl. 
much like people across Wisconsin generally like Tommy Thompson, one of those deals where you may not agree with their politics, but both people are decent individuals. That's from Rick in Norway. Exactly right. Nails it. That's it. The idea that, again, this is another one of those mission statements that I have to constantly reinforce because there are people who do what I do who perpetuate hates and nonsense and now lies for, poli- for politics, for political purposes. That ain't me. Not going to be that guy. And when you have examples like this, even Jimmy Carter. Conservatives love to blow up Jimmy Carter's, Carter's presidency, and it wasn't perfect. Trust me, I lived through it. Exploding interest rates and the like. But you know what? He's a decent human being. Is a decent human being. Hanging in there at 90-plus years old. Still working hard. Building houses. Most people can't even say they do one thing in a week that doesn't just benefit them. And he did many things. So if you take anything away from the passing of Tony Earle or any older politician, look at the respect that happens after. Realizing that, yeah, you can be mad about policy. You can hate someone because they disagree with you on what pick an issue. But is that being a good human being? I've told this, I've made this connection before, and people got mad at me, and I'm going to do it again. When you shuffle in the church or your place of worship, whenever it is you do that, unless I'm wrong or mistaken, the message is, is not generally hate somebody for any reason. Right? So why do we essentially, when we leave that place of worship, Stop doing the very thing that you have just been instructed to do, which is treat people with respect and kindness. Why do, we, why do we think that's where the line is, right? The place of worship, that front door, once we leave, we can do whatever we want. We can say whatever we want. We can belittle people, hate people. I don't get that disconnect. Because that's not being a person of faith. Take faith out of it. Just being a decent human being. We've lost the ability to separate politics from everything else. Is there a place for politics? Sure. Leadership has never been more important. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of great leadership on display. We have a lot of politicians who would actually make better consultants for politics. Just get paid for toning one side over the other. When any real leader of either side understands there's a listening component that's just as important as all the decisions you make. Listening, listening, listening. It's skill. And believe it or not, and I, I like everyone else, has work to do in this area, can make you smarter. Listen better, be smarter. Leadership is hard. Just two of them off the top of my head. Quick break. Should let that play for a while. Let's relax. Everybody relax for a second. Bring it up a little bit. Let's get people moving off their hey, producer Brandon. Let's bring this up a little bit. Bring the volume up a little bit. Let's get people moving around on this. We've been sitting around in our butts yesterday. Even Charlie, producer for Jeff Wagner's moving his he's shaking it. We gotta we gotta get people moving. Stop obsessing over politics. A little more, a little more, and then I'll move on.
Basically, I have time to kill. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Thank you, producer Brandon and producer Charlie. Um, I won't get that dancing out of my head anytime soon. All right, spring training is here. Baseball is back. You bet it is. Keep it tuned here on, on WTMJ all spring long for Cactus League Baseball. All the sounds of Rurge Baseball, including, by the way, something we should never take for granted. Bob Euchre on the call for some of the games all throughout spring training season. Our first spring training broadcast is this Saturday at 2 p.m. 2 town to be exact. Come on, people. That's, that's good news. It's spring training. Won't be long till opening day, which I'll be broadcasting at. Hopefully live from American Family Field or whatever they call it. No, just kidding. Right here on WTMJ, home of the Brewers. How about that excitement? How about that? All right. Lots to talk about in the remaining 30 minutes before we hand it off to Jeff. I saw this story yesterday. I want to talk about this. That's a story I typically do unless Carol's here, but... There's a um, proposal in Florida. Just take it on face value. Dogs would not be allowed to stick their heads out of car windows. I'm serious. There's a few other things tacked onto that, including, by the way, which is the highly controversial one, which I'm a strong proponent of, no dogs in laps while driving. Can we deal with these realities here in Wisconsin? I'm not sure. 855-616-1620. At least one place in Florida says, enough with the dogs and the windows. Enough with the dogs and the laps. Not going to happen. We'll see. We'll discuss that question and see what you have to say, because I know there's a lot of dog lovers out there. I don't know. Do cats do that? Do cats stick their heads out the window? I have no idea. Do cats even go in cars? I think cats will hide under the seat if you put them in a car. Do cats go along with people like dogs do? I don't Uh, think so. Not not as often, but I've seen it. I can't not recall, and I've been around for a while, ever seeing a cat looking out a window of a car while it drives by, ever. A former boss of ours used to bring his cats with him on long drives. Why? They don't talk to you. They just lay under seats. Just for companionship, but also, you know, if it was a long trip. You wouldn't do that, though, right? No. Okay. You're smart. Send those emails to my clever producer who comes up with the dog music, which is very related to our topic at hand, our topic du jour. I always like that joke, what's the soup du jour? It's, oh, it's the soup of the day. That never gets old. I, and whenever everyone says that, I always use that. And they always look at me like I'm an idiot. Maybe I should stop using it. All right, so now I have to quickly find my, my place because I, I lost my place. Here it is. I hate when my computer doesn't work right. There we go. All right. I saw this yesterday. Inside baseball about the show, I typically spend an hour after the show kind of relaxing, unwinding, answering sometimes critical emails and work assignments. Not shoveling. That's right. My wife, Kathy, by, oh, by the way, so I, I left her a note, digitally speaking, that leave it, I'll do it after the show. Because uh, it was kind of a crunchy consistency this morning. I, I walked a little bit into the driveway, and I could see my steps, and uh, didn't seem easy to shovel. I said, leave it. We'll, we'll, I'll do it after the show. So she sends me a picture like an hour or so ago, all shoveled. Married the right one. I guess. Clearly. 38 years. All by herself. Good job, Kathy. And she goes, in my earlier note, I said, probably the end of the driveway, we'll need the snowblower, because, you know, this, this plows. She shoveled that, too. 
Yeah, I, from what I've been seeing and hearing, it's hard, the snowblowers are, are actually not really productive in this. Not for that. Yeah, it's too icy. All it would do is clog it up, and you can potentially break the thing. So it's like wet sugar. Yes, good, good description. You should be in radio. All right, I'll try that one day. <laughs> I'll try that one day. Yes, you will. All right. So here's the headline as we uh, move forward to the noon. 12 o'clock hour. Um, Florida bill would ban dogs from sticking their heads out car windows. Now, I saw this yesterday. Oh, behind the scenes. Um, I typically spend an hour kind of eating lunch, unwinding all that stuff, resting the voice. And then I kind of get into the show for the next day. So today, about 1.30 or so, I've got a meeting. Then I'll start planning Friday's show. Friday's pretty set because you know what's coming up on Friday, right? If Steve ruled the world. And, of course, what I would argue, other than if Steve ruled the world, is the best... Best hour of Milwaukee radio. And I say that certainly from a biased perspective, but I believe it's Bill McCosh and Joseph Hecke on politics. I don't know. I, I just saw Bill on TV. These guys are all over the place. Zapecki's hosting shows here at, now, at night. My goodness. How many careers have I launched, by the way? Man, now you're the big sports guy? Where's my vig? Where's my, where's my little... Piece of the pie. Just kidding. I'm very well compensated. All right. Some people would say overcompensated. All right. Florida Bill would ban dogs from sticking their heads out the car windows. Can I just clap for that? That's amazing. Now, I understand some people might see that as frivolous. A new proposal in Florida, reading from the story USA Today, if you want to go chase it down. It's, I love this first sentence. This is classic. A new proposal in Florida set to impact the goodest of good, good old boys in Florida and their beloved car rides. A bill filed on Friday by Broward County Democratic State Senator Lauren Book would prohibit dogs from putting their heads out of car windows. It's a bit of an overreach, I'll be honest. It also includes some other things, banning certain animal testing. I never knew this was a thing. Is this a thing, prohibiting rabbit sales before Easter? People buy rabbits and then what, do you just let them go? That's not good. But here's the big one. Here's the kicker for me. This is why I signed on. According to the bill, drivers wouldn't be allowed to hold a dog in their lap. And dogs, as I said, no body parts outside the vehicle. Now, Eric and I were talking before the news hit there. I never see cats doing this. But I see a lot of people with the dogs in their lap. Not safe. Bill calls for pets to be restrained with a harness, seatbelt if possible, or to be held by another passenger, not the driver. If the dog is being transported in the bed of a truck, it must be restrained by using a crate that is safely secured and large enough to allow the dog to turn around normally. That's very specific. 855-616-1620. I'll call it the dog rules because it's easy to say and kind of really what it is. Unless somebody's got a cat example. Are you holding your cat while you're driving? Never seen it. Never seen a cat stick his head out of a car window or a truck window, ever. From the 414, cats do not like cars. I would only have our cat in a crate. Is that true? They do not like... You have a producer, Brandon, you have a cat? No. You're smart. You don't have a cat. No, I do not. My parents do, and I, lo- I love her, though. <sighs> Some just, cats are cool. Couldn't you just left it, I don't have a cat? You had to add the other person. I have to yeah, feel because she's about special it? to me. Okay, fine. Whatever. Um, anyway. Um, let's see. Another waste of taxpayer dollars. I I brought this up because I know that the dog lovers, cat lovers out there get easily offended. I do think it's a safety issue. The 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 thing outside the window, I mean, come on. 
Was that really enforceable? So the window could be open, but they can sort of look out? Come on. But the, the dog in the lap thing, that should be illegal. 608. Do we really need more rules? No, of course we don't. But we have rules because people do dumb things. We have rules because people don't self-enforce their own behavior. We have rules because sometimes people have to be said, have to be told, no, stop doing that. That's dumb. 414, another reason not to move to Florida. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. 262, cats would never do that because they're way too smart and they know it's not safe. Now, I will give that one to cats. Don't do that. Never play that on the show again. Outright ban. I've only outright banned like three times in the history of the show. Outright ban. Don't do don't. Don't do it. What do you think? 855-616-1620. The dog rules. Cats are maybe the cats are too smart for this. What do you think? Let me know after this. Oh, you're laying it on sick. That's a producer, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Producer Brandon Snide. Big-time sports guy and has the morning news and part-time producer for me. All right. New proposal in Florida set to change the rules for, they mentioned good old boys, but everybody. No dogs or cats in the lap. No having their heads stuck out the windows, which is un- unenforceable in my opinion. But I love the lap thing. Lots of uh, conversation on the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, I know a lady the 262, who has three small dogs and frequently drives with them loose, often on her lap and, le- and leaning out the window, and she's moving to Florida. Oops. Wrong state choice. Uh, Craig says his dog or his dog can't afford a ticket. Yeah, I didn't see anything on the story about the price of the ticket. Mitch says, before you let your dog in your lap while driving, know that an airbag deploys at a 15-mile-per-hour collision and will probably severely injure your dog. Yeah, people don't make that connection, trust me. It's like the people, you've seen them. They are literally have their chest pressed against the steering wheel. They often say it's because they're short. That has nothing to do with that. You can raise your seat without being close to the steering wheel. And if you're that short or height challenged in the current environment we live in, there are ways around that. You jam yourself up to a steering wheel, it's not going to end well. may not save your life. All right. Uh, a lot of people saying that airbag would kill the dog. Absolutely. Uh, 414, having a dog in your lap will make you an unsafe driver, whether you think so or not. True! 262, love both cats and dogs, though cats are smarter and aren't going to want to stick their head out of a moving vehicle. I'm not arguing that point. I don't like cats, but I have to defer on that one to the cats. Look at all the things hitting the animal in the face, plus how many people do you see sticking their faces outside a moving vehicle? Is that going on? I don't think so. Although in Wisconsin, nothing would surprise me. Uh, A few more here. I think dogs like to stick their heads out the window because they can imagine they're a greyhound, a fast dog. Not really, but all my dogs have loved to do that for some reason or other, but the only issue with it is a safety issue if foreign bodies would be flying through the air or even bugs could hit them at 40 miles per hour and uh, could injure them. Hmm. Perhaps. I'll just say this as I wrap this because I'm going to introduce a new segment. And Brandon's going to love this. Um, the um, window thing, is, I think, is unenforceable. I mean, you could conceivably do that, but anybody think police have extra time to do all this? 
the dog on the lap thing is part of their of the regular unsafe driving laws that we have. Shouldn't happen. Happens too much. I see it all the time. Needs to stop. All right. Introducing a new new segment on the show. Always at the end of the show. Almost end. It's called "What Did You Learn Today?" and it's directly for my skilled producer Brandon Snide, morning guy, Wisconsin Morning News, sports enthusiast. I think he has work to do on the political side, but we'll get him there. It's part of being a producer on this show. You're going to learn a lot. It's not the stuff that other guys say, other women say. It's the smart stuff, not the dumb stuff, not the party talking points. All right, Brandon Snide, what did you learn today? All right. Now, Brandon, producer Brandon, had a different plan than I. I was going to have him talk right away, but you, you saw that. There's a new segment. We didn't know what we yeah, were Yeah, we didn't talk that through, as they say in, in Radio Land. So um, the segment is, what did you learn today? What did you learn today? Like action news music. Little little music bed here. Yeah. Uh, I learned that you really, really don't like cats. Yeah, don't like cats. Now, is there a story behind that? Where does I mean? Where does the word? I shouldn't say hate. That's that's probably the wrong word. That's why I don't. I just say don't like. Yeah. Where's the, I've been scolded. Where's the dislike come from with the cats? Um, they're generally not affectionate towards me. Maybe they can sense that I don't like. Yeah, them. most of them aren't. Um, I've been clawed a few times. Don't like that. Okay. I just don't generally see the purpose uh, of, of what the they kill birds, which I'm I'm a bird lover. For example, I'll give you a quick story since you asked. My neighbor and I used to have a chain link fence separating us. I never had any birds, and I have bird baths and feeders at one point. Don't anymore because they're mouse attractors. A lot of people who, have, who live next to people that have a lot of bird feeders will tell you that. So I put up a six-foot-high wood fence, beautiful fence. It's like a bird sanctuary now. I see birds all the time. The reason, they had a cat that was on a leash in their yard that would torment the birds. Now that's, co- yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Cats on leashes, that's weird. Unless great, you're like- great people, and I, you know, you want to keep cats reined in because they'll just, they'll just run. That's part of it. I just, I'm not a fan of cats. So you learned that I don't like cats. Yeah, I learned that you didn't like cats. Yeah. A lot of the texters did, though. They thought that that was a good little mm-hmm. bit there with the cat meow. Yeah. I'll have to bring that back. No, I'll, have to, I, I said, I'll have to store that. See, I've learned that you don't respect my, my commands <laughs> when I say that's an outright ban on the, on the, on the cats' music. That's pretty much all I learned today. And then you come back with cat scratch. That's it, huh? That's, about all that show. Yeah. It was a good... You started off... I mean, that was... The first half hour was tremendous. Thank you for that. You know, I you know I stay out of politics for the most part. Uh, it's probably smart because as I... My, my life is a little bit less stressful. As I've learned in this business, even the people that talk about politics often have no idea what they're talking <laughs> about because they've never had real jobs. Some of them. I, I also... I'll, t- I'll tell you this real quick. I frequent visited florida i was stationed down in georgia uh the new dog law although i do support it you probably got about a hundred different things you can address in the state of of florida um but that's about it yeah and then the other thing with that is it's the reason it's unenforceable because it's not like we have extra things for law enforcement to do they're kind of busy folks sure And, and add to that the fact that some people disrespect them all that makes their life much more difficult so i i would say this has low chance of being actual law, it's a proposal, right? I don't think it's going to happen in Florida, but we shall see. All right, coming up on tomorrow's show, before we hand it off to Jeff here, Makashin and Zapecki. I think we have a guest for Joe. I think it's Sarah Godlewski, but I'm, I I have to confirm that. But uh, So Joe's off somewhere. Will Bill be here? Don't know. He always surprises me. He does surprise us. Yeah. I just saw him on TV, so who knows where the heck he is. See, I, you, you're big timers now. Look yes. what you did for him. Yeah, launch careers, that's what I do here. All right, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, if Steve rode the world... 
I may go after the pet thing now that I'm prompted by our conversation today. And uh, there'll be some rules that, frankly, pet owners are not going to like. I was a dog owner for many, many years. Not now. I love dogs. Cats, I don't see the reason for them, but uh, you do you. All right, speaking of someone who does what's and says what's on his mind, that's Jeff Wagner. What are you going to talk about today, Jeff? Steve, thanks for the segue. A lot of stuff coming up on today's program. Snow days in some school districts are a thing of the past. How could that be? How could you make kids go to school when it's snowing? Well, a number of school districts have an idea, and it ties back in to remote learning. We're going to discuss whether or not it's a good idea. Paul Ryan, who, trust me on this, Paul Ryan is one of those guys who is almost always going to be the smartest guy in the room. Doesn't always act like that, but he really is. He's back talking about how both Joe Biden and Donald Trump have really done the country a huge disservice by not tackling the problems that are going on with Medicare and Social Security. We're going to talk about whether or not Ryan's right and what we need to do. The mayor of the city of Milwaukee says he's got a goal. He wants to increase the population of the city from roughly around 600,000 people to a million people in a relatively short period of time. What's going to have to happen for that to happen? Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher just gets back from Taiwan, and he says, hey, I think what we need to do is we need to start arming Taiwan, and a number of people are saying we need to increase our troop presence in there because there's a threat from China. I'm going to ask a provocative question, which is really, is this, is this what we want to do right now? And does it make sense? How many battles can we fight? I posted this on Twitter, and already there is a huge response. There is a, there's a study that just got released. It hasn't gotten a lot of attention in the mainstream media because, again, it's politically incorrect. But it essentially says all these mask mandates that were put into effect during the pandemic, they really did nothing. They, they really did nothing. And so the question is, can we perhaps acknowledge that maybe masks were not as successful in stopping the spread of COVID as we were led to believe? You even suggest that, and people are absolutely outraged. Well, we're, I'm going to share with you that study, and we're going to discuss, but we start off the program. The Milwaukee police officer who shot the guy who was fleeing from him a couple days ago, we're now finding out more about the guy who was shot, and it gives a lot of insight as to why he was fleeing and running from police in the first place. I'll break that down for you. The Wagner Show starts right after the top of the hour news.